Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to Relatable, and I'm your host, Star. This is the podcast for hot messes who are sick and tired of fumbling their way through life and are ready to learn how to be an adult. Coming up on today's episode, have you ever been dismissed by a healthcare professional when raising something of concern? Are you guilty of putting off health checks because you can't be bothered to book an appointment? How do you actually advocate for yourself in a healthcare setting when you notice something isn't quite right? To help me answer these questions today, I am joined by Rochelle, the founder of Australia's first breast cancer charity for young women called So Brave. After noticing a lump in her breast during pregnancy, Rochelle raised concerns with her doctor and was told it was nothing to worry about. Something within compelled Rochelle to persist and seek additional opinions from other doctors. And that was when, with a newborn baby at home, Rochelle heard something that we as young adults never imagined we're going to hear. It's breast cancer. Rochelle's story is compelling and powerful and she has now created So Brave an organisation to educate, inspire and support young adults facing the unimaginable. I am so, so grateful for Rochelle for coming on the podcast and I cannot wait for you to hear her tell her story and give you and I some tips on how we can be breast aware and better advocate for our health. But before we do that, it's really nice to see you again, even though I can't see you. It's nice to be in your ear holes. I love saying that. I don't know why I love saying it's a pleasure to be inside your ear holes. It genuinely is one of my favorite places to be. And this is a super, super special episode coming up today. So I'm mindful to keep the intro nice and short, but I hope you are having an amazing week. Thank you so much for the feedback that I had from last week's episode, which was all about loneliness. I had some beautiful messages come through. So thank you for that. I'm always so, so appreciative when you guys do go out of your way to let me know your thoughts or, you know, just continue the conversation after the episode goes live. It really does mean the absolute world to me. As you guys know, I got my Dyson Airwrap last week and I still love it. I have not regretted my purchase whatsoever. In terms of what else is happening in my life, I went to Canberra on the weekend. My roommate and I took my little brothers down there on a surprise trip. Because of COVID, my brother Sani never got to go to year six camp. And if you're from Sydney, actually, I think you don't even have to be from Sydney to go down to Canberra and go to Questacon for year six camp. I don't know. A lot of people go to Canberra for year six camp. He never got to do that because of COVID. So we went and surprised them and we had the best time. They have electric scooters in Canberra. And I've been told that that's like a common thing in a few different places. Electric scooters are the biggest vibe. We just like rode them around the city. We went to Questacon, which if you don't know what Questacon is, it's a big science museum and they have all of these interactive things that you can do. We went to like a show about color we learned so much it was amazing so very grateful for that and nothing else has really happened however I do have a life lesson um (laughs) my life lessons are always me doing something fucking stupid and uh, hopefully saving you from doing the same I was cooking the other day making my lunch and there must have been a splatter that came out of the pan 
And that splatter went from the pan onto the plastic chopping board that I had and I had my back turned to it and I didn't realize that the chopping board was actually on fire. So uh, yep, that's good. The fire alarm didn't go off. Thank you for your concern. However, it did melt the shit out of the plastic chopping board. And mind you, I didn't have it a stupid distance close to it. That splatter, it flew. I'll post a photo of my chopping board in the Facebook group. RIP to that chopping board. I'm pretty sure I got it from the reject shop anyway. So make sure you don't turn your back when you're cooking. Don't have the heat up too high. Please learn from my mistakes. Also, I have another little life lesson for you. My car aircon broke. I don't know what happened, but it just decided to stop working. And I had been putting it off for two weeks to go and take it to uh, get fixed. I also needed to go in for a service, but guess what? I went and dropped it off this morning and she's currently in the shop getting cooked. I don't know. I'm probably going to get hit with a big fucking bill, but this is your sign just to do that thing that you have been putting off for so long. That is enough about me and my car. That seems to always have issues. Let's bring in Rochelle. I'm really excited for this chat. Of course, I just want to give a little bit of a trigger warning. We do talk about Rochelle's journey with breast cancer. So if you don't have the space for this episode today, that's absolutely fine. I will put all of the resources in the show notes and of course, the link to all of Rochelle, oh my God, Rochelle's socials, website and everything like that. But I know that you are going to absolutely love this one. So let's bring in Rochelle guys i'm so excited to be joined by the amazing rochelle from so brave today rochelle thank you for coming on the pod oh my goodness i am so excited and a bit star starstruck for star <laughs> you're so sweet no we were just talking off mic about how i was so excited when rochelle slid into my dms when i did the podcast announcement because i just knew this episode was going to be so powerful and everything that you're doing is incredible so can't wait to get into that amazing thank you all right so rochelle would you be able to give us a little bit of a background about your story right so um I was 32 years old and uh, pregnant with my second child when I was laying in bed one night and I decided to do a breast check and I found what I could feel was like a little hard pea-sized sort of lump in my right breast and I leaned over and told my husband to check it and he said, oh, look, let's let's tell our, our obstetrician when we go to the next appointment. Um, at that appointment, my obstetrician said, look, it's probably just fibrous tissue, your body getting ready for your baby. Um, I'll make a note of it. We'll check it after the baby's born. Um, fast forward to my son being born and about a week after I'm feeling this thing and I feel like it's actually getting bigger. And so, of course, I'm starting to stress out a bit and I call her office and her receptionist tells me, look, I can't see her until my six week checkup and if I'm really worried to go see my doctor so I make an appointment I see my GP my GP makes me an appointment to go get an ultrasound a breast ultrasound and at that appointment the sonographer says oh look it's normal lactating tissue nothing to worry about come back in six months and I said well this isn't normal for me I am worried Um, what can I do and she said oh well come back earlier if you want to 
Anyway, so I complained about that situation because not only did she tell me that information, but she also told me in front of everybody else in the waiting room. So I thought, wow, so unprofessional. And this was like a private um, clinic. So I'd paid a lot of money to go and get that experience. Anyway, so I went and got yet another ultrasound with a different clinic. And yeah, that was the 17th of January, 2014. Um, and when I walked into that clinic, the sonographer said to me, look, you can't get the mammogram. You're too young. It'll be like too high a risk. And by the time she had done the scan with the ultrasound and had seen the suspicious area on my breast, uh, she said, look, I think we'll be doing at least one mammogram on your right side. Um, which then quickly went from ultrasound to mammogram to um, a biopsy and that biopsy then came back as um, definitely cancer when I when I had the news on the Monday so that put my whole world into a tailspin you know I had a six-week-old and a three-year-old and no family history of any cancer let alone breast cancer and all of a sudden I was having to make decisions about am I going to have more children um what kind of treatment am I going to be facing? There were so many questions and it was a really difficult time, as you can imagine. Um, so I went through a IVF fertility preservation, which basically is like normal IVF, um, where they do the egg collection and try and create embryos. Unfortunately for me, that wasn't successful, but um, the darling doctor who who helped me with that he's he was so apologetic he said this never happens except that you've just literally had a baby so like your body is like it's it's not working with us um and so then I went very quickly into chemo and chemo was like six months of well everyone knows what chemo is like it's awful and then um following that um I had six weeks of radiation and 12 months of immunotherapy and I've been going through hormone therapy and early menopause for eight years since since my diagnosis uh, because my my breast cancer was hormone positive so they're basically shutting down my hormone production they don't want me basically having any way for this cancer to recur however um, at the end of 2020, so in the middle of COVID and all the fun that that was, I did have a recurrence. So thankfully it was localised and it was small and it hadn't spread, um, but it meant I had to go and get further surgery. So yeah, in total, I've probably had five surgeries to just remove cancer from my body and oh, more than that, probably. Gosh, yeah, more than that. I think what happens is you start getting a bit like blase about the fact that you've been put through so much when you when you've been through cancer. Desensitized. And, yeah, a little bit desensitized, you know. I think the big C word, and I'm not talking COVID, I'm talking cancer this time. Um, it, it gosh, it freaks everybody out. If you've never had anyone in your life who's had cancer and suddenly you're confronting it, you just like your whole world shuts down. But I think because I've been around it now for so long, yeah, it's it's part of life. It's and and the fact is that 
breast cancer in particular is so common amongst women and cancer generally is going to affect the majority of us throughout our lifetime in one way or the other. Um, so fast forward eight years, um, I'm now again cancer free, um, still going through all the hormone therapies and you know regular checkups and everything like that. So uh, that's a little bit of my story, but I guess because I had that initial experience with that misdiagnosis, I've really felt like there was there was some real injustices around it. And I, I felt too like, how does this happen to young women? Because my image of breast cancer was that you had to have a family history of it or that you had to be an older woman because that's the stereotypical kind of expectation of what a breast cancer patient is. And I didn't have any of those risk factors. I was young. I wasn't drinking alcohol. I was breastfeeding. I, you know, was fit and healthy. So I didn't really understand why. Um, and maybe I won't ever understand why, but I think if it can happen to me, then it can happen to anyone. Yeah, so that's that's a bit about my story, Star. Well, you have been through so much. You, are, I just have to say off the bat, you are such an incredible woman and thank you for being so vulnerable and for sharing your story. So you said prior to your experience, you didn't know much about breast cancer. It hadn't really crossed your radar. And through connecting with so many people in the community, have you found that that's a common experience? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 100%. Breast cancer in young women is a huge shock. Um, it's not expected for most young women, even if they've got a family history. I mean, I have now met many, many, many women diagnosed in their 20s and 30s and even if they've got a, a mother or a relative who's had breast cancer they don't expect to get it or they don't expect to get it at that age so I think yeah it's it's really tricky um, it, it can happen to anyone it doesn't discriminate um, and the statistics are all there around you know it being the most commonly diagnosed cancer in women aged 20 to 39, um, which we don't think of in our 20s and 30s. We think of oh, probably, you know, there's a lot of other things that that hurt us in those years and that we're they're conscious of in those years. But yeah, breast cancer is really just not on our radar. Um, and I think part of the reason why that is the case is that you know, as I said, we stereotypically think of women in their 50s, 60s, 70s getting breast cancer. And that is where a lot of women do get breast cancer when they're going through menopause and that change of life. But it doesn't preclude you from getting it when you're younger. I think one of the big reasons why we think that is that breast screen invitations go out to women at 50 
And so we think, well, I'm not getting the breast screening invite, so I mustn't be at risk yet, or my risk must be lower. Uh, and I think perhaps that also then translates to doctors who may not see younger patients getting breast cancer, so they don't put them in the same risk profile as an older woman. Um, I've, you know, throughout the last eight years, I've heard so many stories of young women who've been to doctors who've just been completely dismissed with their concerns about their breasts. And in really sad, sad, sad cases, it's to their terrible detriment. You know, if we, we're still in this space where if you get a diagnosis of breast cancer at an early stage, you have great survival outcomes or the potential for great survival outcomes. But if it spreads beyond your breast or if it's super aggressive, then you, you know, you need to you need to have that information as soon as possible so that you can try absolutely everything. So if you're going to your GP and your GP is sort of saying, oh look, you're young, you don't fit the profile, we, we'll just monitor it, we're not going to do anything, that time is being wasted, you know, and and it could be months or years before somebody finally gets that diagnosis because they finally put, you know, put their health first or they go and see a different doctor or they finally say, oh, look, you know, I'm not going to just put up with this thing anymore. I really do want to know what it is. And not to say that everything that's wrong with your breasts or, or that you feel with your breasts is cancer, but if there's something that's not normal for you, then you just need to go keep getting it checked until you've got a resolution about what it is. Uh, because there's just there's just so so many stories where it's gone terribly wrong, and unfortunately those women aren't with us anymore because they haven't caught it early enough to get the intervention that's you know kept them alive. So we need to stop that. I think as young adults as well, it's kind of like a running joke that we're too scared to call and make our own medical appointments. So like that at a baseline, obviously you need to be able to muster up whatever you need to do to be able to make the phone call. And I think it can be really daunting. And you, we often just push things to the side because we think, oh, whatever, like I'll, I'll see if this sticks around for a little bit longer and then maybe I'll follow it up. But for you, Rochelle, what was it within you that told you, no, this is something that I need to persist with and this is something that I need to get like, a second opinion or further answers about? I've often thought about this because people often ask that question like, oh, you must have known. I didn't know and I certainly didn't want to have cancer um, but for me it was because I had breastfed my my daughter and I knew what my breasts were like so I knew what was normal for me and this thing in my breast was not normal for me it wasn't there before I was pregnant with my son it wasn't there throughout the entire time I was breastfeeding my daughter and I just wanted to know what it was you know, if even if it was benign, even if it was like nothing to be concerned about, I just wanted to know what it was because it didn't exist and then it did exist and then I felt it was going, growing inside of me and I, you know, I think I wanted to have some kind of peace of mind of, of what it was. And I remember going to that, that second sonographer appointment, I had to leave my, my he was then yeah six six weeks old and my three-year-old with my aunt and um i remember her saying to me look are you sure you're okay going by yourself like you know 
this is a big deal going. And I say, oh, don't worry about it. I'm, I, look, I just want peace of mind. I just want them to tell me it's nothing. I just, I just want that resolution because this thing is here. It's not going away. And it's obviously not a milked up because it isn't releasing. Um, and I just want to know what it is. It, it, and it's probably nothing, you know, sinister. Um, but of course, that wasn't what happened in my situation. But it happens in lots of ladies' situations. So they'll go and they'll they'll investigate and they'll find out it's just a cyst or it's just some fatty tissue or um, you know there's benign breast things that can happen that you can find out about and then your mind is at rest and then you can just stay on top of it. So if you find something and then they tell you, oh look, it's nothing, don't worry about it, that's actually not the end of the game. Um, we had uh, an ambassador through So Brave, the organisation I founded uh, a few years ago, who's a GP, and she reminded me, and I've been telling everybody ever since she said this, that GPs are really busy people, and so you need to be vigilant yourself and to be a really good advocate. Um, so if you've gone and you had some scans, or it, and I'm not just talking about breast cancer, I'm talking about all different things that are health related. If you've gone and had a scan and it was a few months ago or maybe six or 12 months ago, maybe it's time to go get another scan and just, you know, check that everything is stable and there hasn't been any changes and, and things like that. Because sometimes, you know, even the people that are in radiology departments, they're all people and people get things wrong sometimes. So, or things change, you know, cells in your body, they're changing all the time. So what might've looked quite benign on an ultrasound three months ago might look quite different now. So having that sort of follow up and check up, um, just to give yourself peace of mind, I think, I think that's really important. Um, and getting to know your own body, you know, what's normal for you so that when you do get the guts to go and see a doctor and they're questioning you, what is this thing? Why are you here? You can say with some kind of confidence, look, I check my breasts regularly or I know my body or there's this issue and I know this is not my normal. I want you to investigate it. Um, and I think we all get a bit tongue tied around people of authority, but I think you know your body the best, so you need to be able to say, oh, look, I really do want this investigated further. And if they still say, look, I'm not interested or they, they're sort of pushing you away, find another doctor. Go and set, like seek that second, that third, that fourth, however many opinions you need to get that outcome that you, that you really need. I mean, we talk to ladies all the time where they have this kind of, experience where they've seen a doctor and yeah you're kind of a bit you know tongue-tied they're supposed to be the person who is knowledgeable about health and yet you're the one who is actually even more knowledgeable about your own body so you need to be able to say look this isn't normal for me let's just like even if it's absolutely nothing even if I completely waste my time going and getting all the scans at least then I know it's normal um and if it's not, then you can get active on fixing it. When we are going on this journey, if we do notice something that's not regular, how can we better advocate for ourselves when we're actually there with the doctor? Like you said, it's easy to get tongue tied. It can be scary, but how can we advocate for ourselves better? 
Right, so my organisation came up with this checklist and we give out these in like little um, like wallet sized, business card sized um, things and there's, this is the checklist. So what, is it a lump? Is it thickening? Is it pulling? Is it pain? Is it a rash? Is it dimpling? Is it discharge? Where? Is it on your breast? Is it in your nipple, your armpit? Is it on your skin? Mark it with a texter so you don't forget where it is. Bring your family history of cancer if you know what that is. And maybe that sparks a conversation with your family around like, what is our family history of cancer? What, what have people's issues been in the past? Ask then for imaging if something has been present for more than four weeks. Um, and if you've seen any changes, an ultrasound, especially for young women in their 20s and 30s, even if you're pregnant or breastfeeding, is still safe. Um, and especially if you, like lots of young women, of course, if they're breastfeeding, they think, oh, maybe it's just mastitis, which is like an infection of one of the, um, the breast tissue. Uh, still, you can go and get that ultrasound. It may not be mastitis. Um, and then ask and arrange for follow-up imaging in three, six or 12 months. You know, work through that with your doctor and make sure that if this is the only scan you're getting, that you're following them up to make sure that there is any opportunities for reflection and um, comparison if there has been any actual changes. So the last point was go back to your GP. So if you notice more changes or if you're worried or if you think that the person you have seen isn't taking you seriously, go see somebody else. Um, your health is the most important asset in your life. You don't have health, you really don't have anything else. So that's the kind of thing that we work through. And taking this card along or even just writing these kind of dot points down, that can help you in, in just being that little bit more confident about, you know, because sometimes we get a bit tongue tied or sometimes we forget or like we might have seen it and then come the morning when it's the appointment, we can't remember where it was or what it was and take a photo of it. If, if you're game enough, take a photo of what you've seen and then you can show the doctor, this is what I've seen. And I think just give yourself enough resources that you can feel confident when you're talking to them these are all the, the things I've found and this is why I want you to, to investigate further. And when it comes to building that health literacy or education and awareness around how to actually check our breasts, because for me personally, I would have no idea what to do. I mean, like, you know, give, give him a little feel and see if it feels normal, but I don't know what normal is. So where can we go to learn and how can we be more breast aware? Breast aware, yes. So we... We talk about not just knowing about your own breast, but knowing all those statistics. So we've talked a bit about some of those statistics. And I think knowing some of that is really important and telling your friends and family and asking and just opening that conversation with your friends and family. Like, when's the last time you even checked your breast? Removing some of that taboo around breast checks, because this is something that affects every single woman on the planet. You know, we are all at risk and men as well of developing breast cancer. So my advice to you as a young woman is, and to all young women is to do it on the regular. So find a date in your, in your calendar and 
the recommended date for for women who are menstruating is 10 days post the first day of your period so day one of your period put it in your diary 10 days later i'm going to do my breast check on day 10. that's when your breasts are least lumpy your hormones are um, the lowest and you can start to get a sense of what is normal without having all of the extra stuff that's going on because your period's happening. Um, when you are looking, it's important to look at the entire area around your breast. So right up into your armpit, all the way around your breast, using um, your hand, but in particular, you can put your hands together in sort of a pad and do circular motions or you can go into the shower and use a little bit of um, body soap or soap to give it a little bit of less friction on your skin. Um, you can do it laying down in, in the bed with an arm raised above your head and checking one side and then checking the other side, right up into the um, collarbone as well. So that whole area all the way from collarbone, all the way underneath your breast, all the way into your armpit. And I get that it is tricky. So what I would say is, if you're concerned after you've done all of that and after you've started doing it yourself for say a few months, go see your GP. If you really need to get some more advice about how do I do all of this and what's normal for me, go and see your GP. Um, another way that you can look and that you should look is stand in front of a, a mirror and um, you can put your hands by your side and then raise them above your head and just look at the shape and if there's any sort of pulling in or puckering or if the breasts look bigger or smaller or like different shapes if any of those sort of changes happen then keep an eye on that and then go and see your GP because anything that's pulling in on your breast there's something inside your body that's doing that um, and I guess the thing is that it all gets a bit confusing and everyone's breasts are very different to the next person's breasts. So beyond everything else that I've said, it's important for you to just get to know what is normal for you. So that takes time, that takes information, that takes a consistent approach every single month. Um, but there will be things that, that really point out to you. Like if your breast skin starts to feel leathery or it starts looking like orange peel, or if you are standing in front of the mirror and you notice that there is like a huge indentation every time you move your arm up and down, or if you feel a lump, then, or if your breast is sitting higher, you know, we had a, we had a lady who was in her thirties and when she went to her doctor, he asked her whether or not she'd breastfed because her breast, on her right side was so perky and her left side was had fallen because she'd been breastfeeding she said no I've had four kids I've, I've breastfed all of them and he said well your breast is sitting higher and perky like a, a 20 year old and you, you it shouldn't be doing that and what they found was this massive tumor what was was actually holding the shape of her breast in place um, um, and it was just because she went and saw this excellent surgeon, obviously, that she was able to get that diagnosis. Sometimes it is, it's literally knowing your, your body. And for her, it was like, well, no, I've had children. It should have fallen and it hasn't. So what's going on here? Um, and for you know a younger woman, maybe it's like, okay, well, I feel like I've got lumpy breasts. Maybe I'll just go in and check in with my doctor. 
but having that consistent approach to every month, you know, mid-cycle in particular, because if you've got lumpy breasts, then making sure that you've got the best chance to see what's normal for you mid-cycle is probably going to help you. But yeah, at the end of the day, a good GP, go and check in with them if, if you need some extra support about how to check. Um, but the most important thing is to just check, you know, um, there's so many different um, opinions about how you can do it and what you should be doing. At the end of the day, get your hands out there <laughs> and go for it. <laughs> and I like the idea of doing it in the shower because you've got a you've got a shower whenever you decide to do it. So while you're already there, if you're going to be washing yourself, you may as well just do like there's there's really no excuse, right? It's not like you have to block out an hour no. in your calendar. We're yes. all busy in the shower. Yeah. Just yeah, a little check. Yeah. And I think the privacy of a shower too, you know, while I say we need to remove the taboo of breast cancer, let's be honest, young women are still very um, shy about talking about their boobs. And um, at least if you're in the shower, well, it's a normal place to be touching your body. So that's okay. And that's a safe place for you to be doing that. So yeah, I would, I would, I would second what you've just said, 100%. So, Rochelle, with all of this in mind, can you tell us a little bit about So Brave, what it is and what your mission is with this beautiful organisation? 100%. So uh, probably 18 months after my own diagnosis, I went to my very first business conference and I met a lady who does body painting. Um, and body painting was really never on my radar. Uh, but Wendy Fantasia is an incredible artist. And about a week after I met her, I... I don't know, serendipity intervened and I went back in and got in touch with her and said, look, I've got this idea. How about we do some body painting of young women who've had breast cancer? That would be so amazing, so empowering. It would really, you know, help them hopefully overcome the trauma of what a breast cancer diagnosis can do. And uh, she jumped on board and within sort of a few months, we were painting women in Melbourne, Sydney and Brisbane, Sunshine Coast, Gold Coast. And we created a calendar, which we called So Brave. Um, and the story behind why So Brave exists as that phrase is because when I was going through chemo and I had lost my hair, I would wear a wig, but it would be so itchy and hot and awful that eventually I just decided I'm not wearing this anymore. And I went to church one Sunday and one of the ladies um, came up to me and said, you are so brave. And I remember being really struck by her saying that because I thought, oh God, I'm not brave. I'm just doing this because I have to. And I think a lot of women who go through breast cancer feel that same way. They don't feel brave. They think firefighters and policemen are brave, but they are brave. They're fronting up to get injected with chemotherapy, which is yes, life-saving, but it is confronting and you're looking at your mortality through a, you know, it's a scary lens of, of what could happen. So this project then became a charity after I spoke to a lady up in regional Queensland whose experience with her doctors and with her breast cancer had been really quite awful. 
um, and she was so arty and really wanted to participate. And I, at that stage, I really didn't know if this project was going to continue. Um, but after hearing her story and um, hearing a few things more about regional access to treatment and regional access to medical care and act, equity of access, I thought, you know, we really do need to continue. And there had been such a groundswell of support. There wasn't anything else for young women in breast cancer in Australia. We've got some fabulous organisations that look after breast cancer from the McGrath nurses to BCNA helping put drugs on the PBS to the National Breast Cancer Foundation and breast cancer trials doing these incredible research projects and plenty of others that I haven't named. But there wasn't anything specific for young women. And so we're filling that gap now. We are educating young women to be breast aware and to check and the importance of that, sharing our stories and empowering young breast cancer survivors. And the other thing about that is, is providing connection for young breast cancer survivors because the situation for young women is very different to our older counterparts, especially when you're talking about things like uh, relationships and sexuality and fertility and um, access to financial assistance and insurances and, and, and the stage of your career and your life. It's very different. Um, so the other side of life is that we also support research and we work with incredible researchers across Australia to try and work on better ways of diagnosing breast cancer in young women and better ways of um, monitoring and, and keeping young women who've had breast cancer alive and safe and healthy. So we, we do a lot of things, um, but I think we're best known for our body painting, which, which you can see on our calendars that we put out every year and in, on our website and in our socials and, and things like that. But yeah, very clearly our message is for young women to be uh, aware of their breast cancer risk and to not feel like it's something that doesn't happen in, in women in their 20s and 30s. Oh, the body paintings are just absolutely beautiful. It's just so, so moving even just to look at them. So I can't even imagine what the whole process feels like for the individual who's actually being painting, painted. So I'll definitely post some of those on the socials as well so everyone can check them out and we'll put all of your links in the show notes. Amazing. Rochelle, thank you so, so much for sharing everything with us today. I'm so grateful. Thank you so much. I, I really hope that anybody who's listening doesn't get scared by this topic, but feels empowered to take their own health into their own hands and to advocate on, on their own behalf. Because yeah, we, we all have that capacity. We, we are all incredibly strong, brave women. So yeah, thank you so much, Star. It's been an amazing experience. Thanks. I hope that you are feeling empowered to take control of your health. Your health is certainly not something to be taken for granted. So if anything, go and book those appointments that you've been putting off. I will pop all of the resources from today's episode in the show notes, guys. As always, it's an absolute pleasure to be inside your ear holes. And if you did enjoy today's episode, please send it to someone. Send it to that random chick you went to uni with that you haven't spoken to in a few years. Send it 
it to your cousin, send it to your friend. This is a super valuable episode and a very important message that we need to get out there as much as possible. As always, you can find us in the Relatable Podcast Facebook community. Wow, that was a bit of a tongue twister. I'll leave the link to my socials in the show notes as well. Take a screenshot, chuck it on your story. Why not? Let's get it out there. I hope you have an incredible week and I will speak to you soon. 